0: Welcome to Across the Margin of the Podcast. I am your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin of the Podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their podcasts, all their live events over at OsirisPod.com. Today, I present to you an interview with director Connor Martin and executive producer Tony Kriz, part of the team behind the eye-opening new documentary, Sentence. Each year... Millions of kids are sentenced to a future they don't deserve because of their inability to read. And sentence shines a bright light on this devastating problem. The motivation behind the film is simple. Over 43 million Americans can't read well enough to get a job and support a family. The film posits there are actually no illiterate children, just children who haven't learned to read yet. Sentence exposes this tragic reality and presents a solution for overcoming failing systems and preventing kids from disappearing into society's margins. Filmed from the point of view of ethnically diverse adults and children who have never learned to read, Sentence is a powerful yet tender tale of how literacy can free children from the cycles of generational poverty. In this episode... Connor, Tony, and I discuss the staggering number of adults in the United States who score low in literacy while considering the small window of time that children are afforded the opportunity to learn how to read. We discuss the important role of a parent or adult in learning to read and write, how experiencing trauma early in life affects a child's ability to process information, how illiteracy is passed down through generations, and a whole lot more. As you'll hear in this interview, this documentary really, really affected me. It's, uh, it's, it really shows the scope of what we're dealing with here and also points towards ways in which we all can really help. It was great to hear Connor and Tony's passion about the project and about uh, moving towards a solution in this interview. They are tons of fun to talk to, and this is a very enlightening interview, and I have no doubt you will enjoy this conversation. With Connor Martin and Tony Criz.
1: Cross the margin. Cross the margin. Cross the margin.
0: Cross. Cross the margin. podcast thank you guys so much for uh coming on the program the um the doc really really affected me it's 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 i I had to take some breaks here and there to be honest i was watching at home it's super unflinching but super important in that way um i'm curious kind of what compelled you to kind of want to tell this story is this something where you um you know aware of the scope of this whole thing i actually wasn't aware of the scope and i'm sure we'll get into that but uh what made you want to talk about this
2: um, we've been we've been in the space of um, sort of community transformation on a lot of different levels. Mm. Uh, just full disclosure, I I come from a from a theological background, so yeah. I'm I'm concerned about these things on sort of a spiritual level, mm. and the reality that um, that life on life is one of the primary transformational things and inherently. The, the the life is a communal experience So we are integrated with one another on this really profound level and one of the most destructive things about this human experience is 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 the separation and it seems like modern society is just driving wedges through people we see it on a macro level between large groups but we also just see it on an individual level people live their lives not knowing the person next door and yet claiming that they want to care for people who are who have no voice mm-hmm. um to to quote the Lorax, you know, uh, who who has no voice, how can I speak for them? Mm-hmm. And um, they claim that yeah, you know, they they have absolutely no idea how to do it, and they desperately want to. And so we've kind of been in this space, and let's just say through a really long journey, we discovered that one of the the greatest limitations to an integrated life when i mean integrated i just i don't just mean you can pay your bills and get a job i really mean an integrated life being ex being a part of the larger story to to Mm -hmm. participate in this larger human drama what's one of the greatest limitations and and ultimately it ends up being access to the to the written word um because that is that is such a gateway Mm -hmm. to the to the modern human experience you can't get a job you can't get a driver's license you um you the the, just the the very doorways of participation are closed to you. Mm-hmm. And so we we're like, well, let's get involved in this. And then ultimately, and we're, I'm sure we'll get into this, and Connor is going to want to talk about kids. W- what we found was that, quite frankly, when you get to be 12 years old, it's too late.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a window there. That's that was, that, super interesting. That's there. what the
2: statistics say. I mean, really, if you can't read by 10,
0: mm-hmm.
2: American society has been set up in a way that there's no way to catch up statistically. I'm not saying there aren't examples. I mean, we could all go find adult literacy programs and go, well, look at this. Look at like, Sure,
1: mm-hmm. sure.
2: Mm-hmm. There are exceptions. But statistically, nobody catches up after 12. I mean, the, the numbers are so small. So what are we going to do about it? How do we engage this? And how do we help people care about this beautiful golden window, mm-hmm. the golden window of reading that happens between age four and age 10? Yeah. How do we help people understand it, care about it? And then most importantly, Go on this human journey and engage the golden window, and it is a way to know their neighbor, love their neighbor, engage the person who has no voice otherwise,
0: and may never have a voice if not for this gift of reading. Yeah, yeah, you're fully left behind. I mean, what is it like first through third grade? You're taught to read, and then you're just kind of afterwards you're expected to and left behind. Kind of why do you want to kind of get involved in this project as well? I'd love to hear your your take on that.
1: Yeah, I've always worked with kids. You know, I was I'm like camp counselor guy. I think that's I would, I like to claim i the greatest camp counselor of all time. I'm sorry if I'm <laughs> offending you saying I'm better. I'm number so, two. No. So you have that, I I got that heart for kids. Mm-hmm. And I realized, um, and then I started a family during all this, um, to like full disclosure, nepotism, you know, my dad produced a film. He's made mm-hmm. documentaries. Sure. I, I was making the short videos building up to this. Mm-hmm. So it was a natural fit. I know a lot about you know, I, I, I'm proud and not embarrassed by the nepotism because I think it was hard earned and I'm, you know, I edited this thing for three years. So oh. I grinded this out and I wouldn't say anyone got rich off of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's for sure. Maybe a dollar an hour at this point. Um, And, uh, and I started a family during all this and I started to realize, oh my gosh, these first five years, these first, these early years, these first five years, these first 10 years. Mm. It, it it was so obvious how important it was yep. and just looking at my own experience and looking at how my other friends, how we just sort of get stuck. You're sort mm-hmm. of, you're this clay, you get molded. And then as you get older and I'm trying to improve yeah. and my, I'm like, this is hard. And I'm making micro improvements and I'm going, we got to get early. yeah, uh, We got to get to kids early. And one of them, obviously this seemed so practical. It's just such a practical tool. I'm going, Oh my gosh. Yeah. If they can't read So I think anyone can connect to that that not not having that tool in modern society is a disaster. And then on top of it, which I love is this sort of getting people together that social emotional development. That's so important. And and there's not many ways to do with kids. You play sports with them, you read a book to them, teach them something, Yep. you know, the list isn't that long about how we connect with kids. And so it, it just practically made a lot of sense. The timing was perfect for me. Um, just to be pouring into the subject matter as I was starting a family mm-hmm. really brought serious intention to my life so i am so grateful that i i uh, it was you know the hardest thing i've ever done in my life and my partner really held my hand and brought us into really intense communities you know i'm upper middle class white suburb guy yeah. total bubble kid and sure. have been trying to break out of it and doing doing what i can to sort of uh, heal some of my um <laughs> my issues i have but it's I'm very, very grateful
0: part. to even be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely, Tony. How um, how did you? He just alluded to the the subjects of the film and its you know diverse diverse grouping. You could tell you know you chose different parts of the country and which was you know very right. sharp way to look at it. How did you find these subjects? That's
2: really a question for Connor. I mean, Great. we um, uh, we 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 set out our our team, our communities yep. made a, a handful of these feature length documentaries wow. and. In so many ways they fo- we they followed sort of a traditional you know get a lot of really smart people to talk about things do beautiful b-roll um you know, d- do sort of a really sort of lovely cinematic mm. lecture with a with, with with good sound design you know
1: that's kind of
2: where and we retroactively
1: were really tell a story and retroactive and retroactively tell the right. story that happened and do it the right way yeah
2: and yeah. we turn it over to Connor and Connor, um, to his credit and to our projects, torture. Um, he really went on an untethered journey of how to tell this story mm. and you make plans and those plans get thrown on the cutting room floor. And then you make plans and those get burned in effigy. And then you make plans and those get sacrificed. And yeah. after a while you start to go, you start to see, uh, a story emerge. Yeah. And we realized that, um, one, children children are hard to get to mm. just as a filmmaker. Yeah. there's a lot more hurdles. and Which second, could. children they don't know time. how to tell their own story mm-hmm. um, yet. and yet, uh so Connor sort of stumbled on this idea or imagined this idea that we would go to adults that had never learned to read and let them tell the story. and I'll, and then Connor, how, how did you find the subjects? and once you get into that?
1: um yeah again it seemed like cautionary tales was a important theme of us you know we obviously wanted to discuss it like hey what happens when you don't read and I we started to realize that was that had to be that had to be the meat of our story Mm -hmm. of our film and so and so it's actually something I'm I'm not that skilled at doing um and so I looked at what I wanted and I go, I don't think I can do what I want. I mm-hmm. have this this close friend who had done a lot of projects with me named Mark. He's the co-director on the film. And he started as, hey, we'll hire him as a producer. We'll bring him on. Yeah. He's this amazing human. The mm-hmm. most interesting, right. He is the most interesting person I've ever met in my life. He's 15 uh, years cool. older than me, uh-huh. deep in journalism, war journalism, third world journalist, makes tons of documentaries, used to do reality TV, awesome. extremely competent in the space mm-hmm. and has lots of friends all over the country in in communities that I I don't have access to and so I go mark help me find a story about someone who can't read and so think about think about that think about going I'm going to go find someone to tell me show me something reveal something vulnerable about themselves like not being able to read you yep. usually just get punched in the face you know if, if if someone's offended by that or you bring that up that can actually illicit violence you know so i'm going i don't know how to like go into compton and find a guy who can't read and but mark does yeah so mark so we started in in south central we just Mm -hmm. sort of identified these classic you know it's their tropes and i feel bad you know i feel bad about it but it is what it is when you go to south central you go and we just looked at the statistics we looked at the high school graduation rates and we literally there's geography especially in la um we looked at they have these you know crime charts that you can look up and and they put the graduation rates and yeah. it's just like it's it's the, the stats are there and so yeah. we identified some areas and it and he had a friend who connected us and he found this beautiful man named Fuji started wow. on that story mm-hmm. met Fuji mark guided me through it he, he mark mm-hmm. would go out there with one camera alone very vulnerable immersed himself with the people wow. I, he would bring me in i'm so lucky to brought in make it look pretty help interview mm-hmm. we're on the phone constantly um telling the stories and then i'm editing fuji went well then we go to north carolina because can't tell this story without telling it i think without telling the rural Absolutely. white story i think this is a, obviously a lot of people are going to be yeah it's on the margins it's just you know there's a certain type of person this is and this has to be you know maybe people even connected to immigrants who were brought here it's like no this is also deeply yeah. rooted in um trump trumpville you know trump country and yeah and then I was like, wait, we can't tell this story without telling, you know, of course, the East Coast, mm-hmm. New York, a black mother. I mean, come on. This is this is devastating. Yeah. Those communities. And Mark actually went to the Bronx and he had a friend, an ex-NYPD undercover cop who walked him into the hardest yeah. project he could have found, Hill. which is the Castle Hill Project, right? <laughs> Yeah. And we were, and he was walking around there and looking for someone who can't read, man. It was insane what he did for us and, and then brought me in and I got to meet the people and spend a couple of days and, and do all that. So, you know, we, Mark's off making more documentaries and, and you know, I always say he's the, he's the star of the show and, and um, we held it down and, and um, brought it all together and, and, uh, and we got to meet these people and I'm just so grateful to have been able to meet these families meet these people they're so beautiful yeah um and so humbling Mm -hmm. and you know it's not just the literacy you know Mm -hmm. when you go there you see the problems you know your critical brain starts firing you go oh you're doing this wrong and this wrong and you got all these things like we could improve all this but and so i don't want anyone to think this is some silver bullet like we teach that mom to read and nothing would have happened her mom wouldn't have been killed in front of her or she never would have got addicted to heroin Mm -hmm. that can't be the message but it certainly is a factor is. of why they can't get, why they get stuck yeah, and why these kids are, you know, fall like are, are headed down that same path. And so there isn't, there is an element of what's the best way to intervene here.
0: Yeah. But that, and, I mean, it's uh, that kind of the point you talked about how, you know, it's challenging to get to the children, but you did get to these adults who are illiterate and that kind of trickles down. I mean, it becomes a big point of, of, of sentence is that it is generational. Uh, can you talk a little bit right. about that and how it kind of just continues down the road and, and, and you know, it's, I guess, finding a way to curtail that and stop that uh, from continuing is, is just so crucial. I can remember
2: when Connor first brought me all the raw footage of Fuji. You know, Fuji was the first um, of these adult stories that we were able to actually get in the room. I mean, Mark... Basically lived with the family and was with them every day and didn't turn a camera on for a long time, like because so much of this, earning just trough. like life is, is about relationship. You know, it's about you know trust. It's about, um, do, are are you just using me? And mm-hmm. we did not we we did not want to use these families, and so this the, and and yet we on some level we did. You know, we're, and yeah. we and we have to deal with that process, but. When he first brought me that footage all that raw footage and you know dead body in the doorway and um the, you know just the the life in in south central i was like what are we gonna do i mean like what are we gonna do with this like it's great it's beautiful the the cinematography is like world class i get it you know but what are we going to do with this and and then you know one thing led to another and we kind of found what we discovered and Fuji was a was a great first example where we got to meet his son Adrian and what what Adrian was up against and how much that's completely was an, an extension of his life with his father, even though his mother does read. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and yet he was living in a world where he couldn't get a job and, and that kind of and the the hopelessness that was attached to that. And so and Fuji talking about his parents, you know, and this thing and every family we went into, there was this generational story, you know, we I rec- I received this thing and and now I'm finding myself I'm giving away I can't help it you know it's it's almost like an infection you know I can't help myself but pass it on and that and the sorrow the sorrow that's attached Um, when you hear Anna talk about you know what what's going to happen with my child Ruben you know that is I I just want something better for you and and yet you can hear it in her voice that she she doesn't even believe that it's possible And, um, you know, Mike, I really would be curious, what did you experience as you were watching, you know, these, we, we have to do the work to, to, you know, they're heavy, they're heavily edited, you know, not, not edited in that they're, they're manipulative, but you know, you get sort of the best of the best of the stories. And I mean, how did they affect you?
0: I got to tell you, it's, you know, I watch a lot of docs, whether it's for this podcast or just for myself, I, um, and, you know, usually at the end you're, you're left, you know, what can I do? um it was halfway through and especially when you get into this idea of uh you know when the stats start coming up about the role of the parent and just what one adult could do or when you get towards you know closer to the end when you start seeing you know that one uh you know the helpers when people come in and actually helping people read i am already making notes about halfway through i'm like i wrote down like i gotta be a big brother i gotta like i can make you know i started thinking i could make more of a difference and you know, in, in this way, in this realm, in this world that you guys are living. And it was cool to see the and learn more about the teacher kid to reprogram too. But like I, I I I entirely earnestly mean it. You know, halfway through, I'm starting to think about what can I do about this problem. And I think that's something, you know, documentarians and filmmakers would probably want to hear. You know, that's that's it's it really oh, I mean, that's, working. <laughs> that's our goal.
1: I'm yeah. so I think what I what one thing I was Hopeful of is that I wasn't going to be a part of sort of poverty and entertainment. Yeah. And the the like like hey, I want to give myself a pat on the back because I watched a doc and I felt that before I watched something it was beautiful. I'm so grateful to see it. Wow, they immersed themselves. I now know a story I never knew. And you sort of pat yourself on the back and your sort of virtue your virtuous you know points go up a second. You just feel good and that's not bad. It's just yeah. not. I just don't think it's, it's it, you know, it, it, you know what I mean by that? It's like, oh, I should be moved into action. So you have we have to change our minds yeah. and then we got to go down the mind to the heart and then the heart should go, OK, now I have something I could possibly do. And I think now with social media and every bad thing ever, you're going to find out about. And, mm-hmm. and I know we know about all the problems we're getting, we're getting we're waking up to the to the subjectivity and the sadness of history and yeah. and how bad it's been for some people and how much of it's been hidden. And there's so much to be furious about. Yeah. Okay. And, and a lot of that turns into apathy. And I would even say nihilism. And so we're I didn't want to be a part of that. And I'm so I hope we're moving people, you know, forward yeah. towards reaching out to their neighbor and looking a little more inside and and more geographically close. Because mm-hmm. you, you look at, you know, national news and stuff like that. I don't have anything in common with any of those stories until it gets closer to the Portland, Oregon area. You know, I go, oh, my gosh, this might affect my child. And I want to have a big enough heart for that. But I don't think that's even fair to hu- humanity You know, humans. I, I think we only have the capacity for so much. And so I hope this film would do what it does. It br- brings you a little closer to home. Starts, you know, you start turning your head, looking around. What you can help with. And of course there's lots to be upset about and lots
0: to fix, but feels yeah. a little, you know, more yeah. local, I'd say. I could I was even thinking when you said that, Tony, kind of about um, you know, the idea of using the subjects, but also I mean, you're spreading the word, you're doing such good in, in, in spreading this word and, and the whole thing and, and made me think about I think her name was Laura in the film. She was one of the people who was actually doing some mentorship and she was feeling good about it. And oh, I think is Mary? Yeah, Mary, Mary. I, I knew it was the, the, okay, um but she was you know almost feeling bad about feeling good about it. And I think that I just I always right. think you know it, it's if it helps you, it's it's okay that that helping someone else makes you feel good. Like she was feeling like it was selfish. And it's I think that's something a lot of us struggle with, and I know I do sometimes, but I think that's okay. I think we have to get used to helping Absolutely. someone if it feels good, it's fine, you know. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And I I listened to one of your previous episodes where you talked about happiness and, um and, and ag- again, in, in my world coming from sort of the theological philosophical world, the, uh, the, the academy, you know, happiness is sort of a, like a term that's put down because what's really important is meaning or what's really important in, in the religious world is joy and joy doesn't come from circumstance. It's this transcendent this
1: joy looks like this well, is that's what joy. What joy like. Hello there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The reality of the human experience is when we enter into things that are inherently meaningful, yeah. everyone is 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 transformed by it mm-hmm. because when it's meaningful it's actually rooted in the dna of what the cosmos was was intended to be uh-huh. in my opinion and the fact that my life is enriched by it, while i'm helping maybe in some small way enrich another life yep. that they're enriching me simultaneously of course because inherently i believe that that this that, that reality is is reciprocal the reality is this experience of mutuality between us, and we all we all sort of have an instrument to contribute to the symphony of the experience. Mm-hmm. And when we enter into these 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 relationships, you know, and and yeah, it does help. You know, Harvard did a study that said if one stable, committed adult um, enters the life of a child at a yep. formative age, it it's the most transformative thing, um, regardless of that child's background. Yep. Yep. And. So yeah, there are statistics to say if if you listening right now are at, at someone between 17 and 107, mm-hmm. and if you're able to read, uh, you could go volunteer today at a local school and become the new best friend to a nine year old. Mm-hmm. And maybe change their life. Um, A nine-year-old that may not have a committed and stable adult in their life or may have very limited access or the committed and stable adults that they have are working three jobs and aren't around in the evening. Or maybe that child needs to care for their younger sibling. And Mm -hmm. so they don't have have the sort of resources or maybe there are no books in their home or, you know, maybe they go to school hungry.
0: Yeah.
2: And yeah. it's the the ability to learn in a room of twenty five other kids with one teacher who's overwhelmed by the circumstance. And one of the things that this journey taught us is teachers are amazing.
0: Yeah, the, there's like a the perspective kids switch kids. with the teachers, which I thought was interesting. It kind of flipped a little bit, and you not only see, you could see how it could be challenging and how some of these kids could slip through the cracks. And I mean, they're dealing with these, you know, multiple roles as you pointed out, shooter drills, just everything. This this. You know these busy classrooms, and you could see how the challenge of being a teacher and how hard it could be to actually make sure all these kids within that window that we talked about actually get taught to read. It. I, I was thinking about. I like that perspective switch a lot that I saw in that in the doc. I I went, We went in. We were so lucky to be let
1: into the classrooms because I, I we what we wanted to do is we knew that if we started this project would potentially pick a fight. With the school system. And we knew that is, that's it's also, it's not a fight you can win. Yeah. You know, we can win and it's not a fight we want because we millions want of kids are in the school system right now that need help. And so what, what, whatever your opinion is about how it could be better or what happened or what's wrong is there's something that's not working for, there's something that's not working and that these teachers, I wanted to make sure we go, it's we, we, we can't be blaming these folks sure there's bad teachers like mm-hmm. who cares there's bad there's everyone there's bad people in every job mm-hmm. what we want to do is let's find some great ones that we that we're that we've heard great things about and watch them watch how they can barely even do their job and, and 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 just and i just wanted to just get that out of people's heads going please don't don't succumb to the lazy thought that oh if the teachers just taught them to read Everything would be okay. That is not how the school system works. Yeah. School system is a marriage between parent and teacher, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a relationship. And they move their kid forward together. They're holding both holding each other accountable, but not really, really just this reciprocal how can we help? Let's get our kid ready for school. And when kids don't go to school ready in any way, fed, bad sleep, not getting, you know, you know, not getting exposed to vocabulary. Don't know how to read, you know, all the things that you could come to school basically, you know, unprepared. Now we're expecting this person to take care of, you know, let's say five of those kids need that special attention. So five kids need basically a mother, you know, at school that day. And you're going, okay, what about the other 20 kids? And what about this mother of five now who's supposed to actually teach them and move them through a curriculum? So in my head, I was just, you know i wanted to that's i was what i'm hoping people felt is going like can you just have some compassion and know that please don't be all well, the schools should do it and i just don't think that's how ev- it's ever been and yeah. so if anyone's entertaining that thought i think they should reconsider it cuz yeah. that's just not how the school system works
0: yeah it's not reality you know it was also interesting too and i i'm guessing this wasn't intentional just kind of I think you already alluded to it too, Connor. When you get in there and you see, you know, you talked about this one issue, but there's other other issues. Um, kind of the Americans failing healthcare system kept popping up again, whether it's Haley pulling her tooth out or even um Fuji's kid was stealing pills uh from CBS, I believe. So he would yeah. avoid seizures and everything. And you're just seeing um, you know, how that is, you know, a part of it. And I guess that deals with poverty and everything, but you're seeing a whole lot of different problems in there and healthcare kind of kept coming to mind. Um, you know. I know
1: I'll, I'll let Tony expand upon this, but sure. I just, we were just one of, what you'll notice is if you just sort of check every single box of poverty, I think yeah. we got them all, yeah. you know? And so, and so obviously we want to throw big systemic help and improvement for these folks, but one thing I noticed is, and something I've noticed is, hey, the more, you know, this is maybe a little more of like a conservative perspective, but if we can help these people help themselves, yeah. you know, we can start to move into preventative, the preventative um, measure, you know, the, the things that people need to do to prevent, you know, having to go to the ER or or this guy can't afford his seizure pill. So so his his medical solution was, I'm going to wait to have a seizure because I, so that I can get the pills that I need versus, you know, oh, we have enough money and enough support in our community to be able to afford those pills that he can, that you can buy. And so you're just going, it's so deep, the problems that I just hope people realize I'm going, oh yeah, this is what keeps people stuck. And yeah. these, these folks, unfortunately are, they're hard. It's going to, it's going to cost us a lot um, to be able to take care of them and they deserve that, and so I, you know, Tony, maybe you can help my me. It's actually kind of tender; it's a tender area. I've, it's a pretty hardcore opinion. Once you get down in there, it's kind of it's a hard to articulate. So maybe Tony can help a little, but I think it's just, hey, look at all the poverty associated with the literacy and how it fuels. Yeah. Look at this cycle. Um, look at this circle. Tony, clean yeah, up
2: some of my words. <laughs> well, I just say, Michael, that um, one of the one of the constant conversations that we had. Mm. and we, I'm sure we failed at, I'm I'm sure we failed at, is not to be reductionistic. Mm. Like if we can just teach, if just all the kids can learn to read, everything will be fine. Like that's, that's not true. Mm. It happens to, we happen to believe that it's one of the big rocks yeah. in the in the atrium of 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 a solution or mm-hmm. of a transformation of society and generations mm-hmm. we think it's one of the big rocks right and it's a big rock that we can illustrate and story tell around and hopefully do some uh organizing around yeah. movement building uh we've done it before with other issues and when this is the thing that we feel like is is the most important thing right now we could be doing yeah, but it's not a cure-all. You know, uh, our our healthcare system is a nightmare, and uh, illiteracy is associated with a lifetime of health issues and seventy-five percent increased risk of premature death in adults. <laughs> 75 percent from illiteracy and there's a connection that's been made there now that connection probably is loose which is why there's not you know it's just sort of like general 75 percent you know it's not like you know a specific sort of thing but um they're going this affects and it has to do with access it has to do with um having disposable income it has to do with employment since the us is basically built in a medical system that has two primary streams Mm. there's through your employer and it's through social services and everything in between is really murky like for self-employed people like me, Um, you know, so, and we, there's not really those systems in place And, and to navigate those systems and just imagine, just imagine trying to fill out the forms to get any sort of medical help but just think of all the forms you have to fill out in every step along the way if you can't read beyond your name yeah why would you ever go to a doctor <laughs> 73 million adults in america cannot read well enough to fill out a basic intake form
0: let's yep. say so that number 70,
2: again 73 million million yeah.
0: that's 73. just people i mean 43 43 I mean, 43, in, sorry, Hawking 43 and 31 Thanks, million, give or take in, in, in the country. And that's 43 million of them cannot fill out uh, these forms, cannot read, you know, or, or not at that level. That's the scope of this was just mind boggling to me. It's really intense. Isn't that crazy?
1: One in five adults, because that's adults. That's yeah. the Department of Labor is going, hey, this these are the people who can engage mm-hmm. in the in the market, in the in the workforce.
0: Yeah. It's really,
1: and and that maybe even segues you. I don't have all the time, but just think about how many, um, you know, one in five adults. Think about the jobs that are available to one in five adults, Mm -hmm. and watch how those modernity is moving away from those jobs. Even us, even needing those, we don't even need people to do the jobs Mm -hmm. that sort of that 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 level of education was reserved for that makes sense. I'm just going, oh, yeah, those aren't there anymore. That's a robot. That's an automation job. And so it's just. It's that's what should free people out, not to be a fear monger, but that's sort of that's a 40 million people to do. Mm -hmm. That's so dangerous, you know, it's so sad for them. And if if you're if you're a you know, if you're worried about yourself, something we should also also be worried about. I mean, so messed. you know, I don't, yeah, it's, it it drifts into that fear zone. And we really want to push people towards something for something for kids, but let's go there. That's,
0: That's what we have to definitely talk about. I mean, kind of, it does end on this, this place where you do see people helping you do kind of get some hope in a little bit i mean it's not a joyless movie too it's hard it's unflinching at times but i mean it's great to see Haley and her family the love there and there's 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 you know there's joy there but also just the way you bring it home with people actually making a difference what's um can you talk a little bit about teach a kid to read or anything that you've seen positively that that people can do or you feel you guys have helped um you know steer people towards
2: yeah um another one of our goals was not to sort of not have it be a film that slogs through the mud. we wanted to be honest and we wanted to be um, tragic on a certain level. You know, the first two thirds, there's, there's definitely tragedy in there, but that you, it's not care. We were, we were honored to partner with, with the subjects of the film mm-hmm.
1: and be mm-hmm.
2: with them and beautiful to, people. Yeah, and and they're all people you want to root for, you mm-hmm. know. They're, they're people yeah. you want to root for and go ah, I, you know. So it's it's I I think you're right, Michael. It's it's not without joy, yeah. but it's also not. We're not. I'm going to apologize nope. for what what is real, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then about two thirds way through the film, it makes a turn and it turns on this guy named Marquise, yeah, in Detroit,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and Marquise is. He's been in jail. Basically says there, there, there weren't any bedtime stories in my house growing up that he did not learn to read. And he's one of the few, that very, very few, who learned to read as an adult, actually, I think, in prison. Right, Connor?
1: Yeah, that's that's his story. Yeah, that's his story. He's a smart he guy. He's, out, mm-hmm. just went his way.
2: He's, he's this incredibly, like, redemptive, sort of messiah character in the story where he came out and he's like, I want to be, I want to be connected to the youth in my neighborhood. I want to be involved in these things. And I realized that literacy was the big thing that led to that. There was, there was a crossroads yeah. and really literacy awesome. was one of the major elements that directed him down the, the road that, that, that led to so much pain in his life. Mm-hmm. And he begins to tell that story, and then he becomes a reading mentor, and um, he just talks about his belief, his belief in children, and his his desire for them to have this rich tapestry of the human experience. And a big part of that is is reading, because um, once you read, you will be truly free. Yeah,
0: like and the Fred- um, Frederick Douglass quote. That's a Frederick Douglass quote that he yeah. loves. Freddie to D. Quote. Freddie, D. yeah. yeah. Uh, I love hearing you guys speak um, generally about this stuff. The, your passion is really—it's—I it's, can tell, which is great. So let me just ask you to kind of close this out here. I'd love to hear you both speak. What, what? Um, Connor, start with you. What would you like kind of people to walk away from thinking or, 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 or you know, hoping, uh, hoping that people you know uh, are are thinking about after they see sentence? Yeah, I think hope and
1: take a good long look in the mirror. You yes, know, and the world—the yeah. world, world isn't—the world's not a about- bad it's uh-huh. both good and bad and so try to get on the move towards the good move towards love and then you have to look at the fear side of yourself the uh-huh. fear we believe that we that we couldn't help someone fear that these people that you couldn't yeah you know, that that fear that these people are coming for you you know or that you can't help and mm-hmm. so i think if, if choosing love is hopefully we had a couple examples in there of people who just are holding on to positivity and optimism and that they look at a kid and they don't see into the future they'll sell or them in a welfare line you know they see a kid with a good life full of love and positivity and being a part of we don't want to say like we need more people to engage in the marketplace. Like that's not what we're doing. We just want people to be full and capable and be able to reach their potential. And so I think I'm just pointing that way. I just and love towards love. look in the mirror and choose choose love. Love it, Tony. How about you? Well,
2: that was very poetic, Connor. I loved that. Love um, be <laughs> that's blunt. What I talk. <laughs> uh, we want we want a million we want a, a million reading buddies in in America's most marginalized schools. We want every community in America to go this issue. We're going to take it to a tribal level. Like we're going to take responsibility for our town and um we're not going to let we're not going to let another generation slip through the cracks. And why? It's for it's for those kids, grandkids that we're doing it. You know, this is a generational problem. Mm-hmm. And at some point we need to step in. And yeah, it would be great if we had some sort of integrated education system that could pull this off, but we don't currently. Yeah. Our teachers are doing the best that they can, but they've been dealt a hand that is impossible. And the when just a little bit of help comes in the room, when there's that 10% bump of energy, of positive life, of communicating i believe in you to the kids of a little bit of time sitting and reading a book and sounding out words when that 10 percent happens teachers find that their entire job opens up that suddenly they've got the margin that they didn't have before Mm -hmm. to do their job and to actually and so how do we make that happen and then michael just between you and me like Mm -hmm. just just a secret between you and me um i'm I'm convinced that this four in five Americans who can read, yeah. that the three in five Americans who are middle class or above and doing quite well, the two in five Americans that have more money than they know what to do with, that their lives are, are impoverished. And their lives are impoverished because they don't have the capacity. They haven't learned how to really empathize, Mm -hmm. really sympathize, really have compassion for the other, the person who doesn't look like them. Yep. Yep. You know, where we're not just pointing fingers and accusing people for how, why they ended up where they ended up, but we would go, no, we've all, we all have responsibility for each other because ultimately your life is my life. My life is your life. We're in this thing together and I ultimately will be transformed if I can integrate myself with the other and literacy. And again, Michael is just between you and me. Don't let anyone else hear this. It is a beautiful, beautiful gateway drug Mm -hmm. to compassion. Yep. Yep. Because all I have to do is have 45 minutes of time and be able to read a children's book in order to become the best, the new best friend to somebody totally different than me, mm-hmm. and when suddenly that person stops being a statistic, stops being a, a line of kids up against, the, you know, the the metal fence mm-hmm. or uh, on a perp walk or whatever it happens to be, they stop mm-hmm. being this sort of this this stereotype, and they become a real flesh and blood, breathing, dreaming wondering full of life and experiences and wanting a better future and 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 wanting to become whatever they want to become and i get to be that person i get to say to them you know what you can be i believe in you you know i think you're i think you're beautiful i think you're a wonderful smart child you know whatever when i get to be connected to that one person through the gateway drug of literacy Mm -hmm. suddenly i'm gonna i'm gonna watch the news differently yeah. And I'm going to awesome. think about hunger di- differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to think about human trafficking differently.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm going to think about addiction differently. And I might think about the prison system differently because mm-hmm. suddenly my heart has been opened up by the by the gift of this one child who let me in. Mm-hmm. Who who let me experience life through them and through the pages of a simple children's book and anybody can do it a child is the least threatening person on the planet a lot of people are like i don't know if i can go help out at the local homeless shelter or whatever they can do Mm -hmm. that sounds scary to me what for whatever they feel you know i'm not sure i can walk into a prison and be helpful in that space or whatever it might be but who's afraid of a a Mm nine-year-old who can't wait for you to walk through the door. I've, I've been a reading mentor and you walk through the door and it is an explosion of delight. You're here, you're here. You came, you know, and this is the 12th week in a row and they're surprised that I came again.
0: Yeah,
2: You know, and it's, it's a thrill.
0: Yeah. I think that's such the power. Of the movie, too. Not only does it show this whole scope of it in, in an intense way, but it does show that you can make a difference, as you're saying. I, I love the way you guys close it the move towards love and the extreme power of empathy. Right. Yeah, there. I like my answer a little better, though. Right, Tony? <laughs> that was <great>. I think <laughs> I, uh,
1: Tony, thank you for that. Pontification, <laughs> right. beauty. All right. I'll, I'm done. Thank you.
0: Yeah. No, thank you guys very much. It's, um, it's an excellent film, it's it's powerful uh and i'm glad to have the chance to talk about it and spread the word about it um, so thank you congratulations and i'll get the word out as much as i can so appreciate your time
2: yeah sentencefilm.com, com please go um watch the teaser and uh so you can get a sense of the, these characters beautiful people that you'll fall in love with and uh and go on this journey with us we can't wait till it's available for everybody
0: awesome thank you so much